0: Kyla welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things my mind is a barrel loaded clips and my guns tuck Literally stupid a bit. also if you want to hit that subscribe button i'll give you a high five so today in my last series of where i tend to go metaphysical i'm going to talk a little bit about the creator economy also games and a little bit about ecosystems like the cambrian explosion type stuff so um that's where i've been lately <laughs> i'll be on a more consistent content schedule moving forward i um yeah like life can be super weird i'm almost done i I finished moving um but like i didn't have internet for a few days so it's kind of like you know just floating around so let's get right into it so what is meaning what does it mean to have meaning why do we do what we do essentially like what's up with that why are we doing the thing signs of froth are indistinguishable from signs of adoption so essentially you know the nft market which i talked about extensively last week there's a lot of signs of froth in the market people are just like trying to figure stuff out it's like what's going on if i play the game i'll be able to figure it out over time and so everybody's like okay i'll go play the game so i can figure it out the thing is meaning is created it's not discovered so everybody who's going to try and discover meaning through the nfts through everything that they do at the end of the day it really does boil down to the meaning that you attach to it so yes there is like the objective part of meaning but there's also the subjective, which is you you as a person you get to decide how much meaning you attach to different things which is pretty cool if you think about it this ambiguity of existence too where we have to like live in our discomfort and we have to understand what we're going through and all this stuff and that gets really deep into philosophy which i'll Honestly, it's probably going to be an increasing part of what I talk about because I think the markets are essentially philosophy at the end of the day, like the forecasting, the figuring out what companies are going to do. It's all some sort of like philosophical thread that people are pulling on. And so in markets, things are meant to trade on fundamentals. You have a certain valuation that comes from certain cash flows, certain profitability, and you discount all that back to the present to get this price that the company should be trading at. And there are layers to this that are covered by the efficient market hypothesis in which essentially prices are supposed to reflect all available information and stocks always trade at fair value and the only way to outperform is through higher risk so the only way that you're going to beat the market is if you take on more risk because that's what you have to do and there's a couple of things that i think are really important to address here so number one and i'm going to do a much longer piece a much more quantitative piece on this moving forward is the disconnect from fundamentals so I don't think you know if you talk to most people right now, they're like, "Oh yeah, the market's probably not trading on fundamentals," and you just nod and look at each other. You're like, "Yeah, this is pretty crazy because everything's trading against essentially the five companies in the S and P five hundred. That's what most like active asset managers are invested in. The market doesn't really trade on this like price target stuff during the day. It might like on, on a short term basis, but it's a little bit harder to capture that." from a fundamental perspective, just because things have gotten so fuzzy. And then with the application to the beyond, so when you think about applying pricing structures to not just assets, but also people, not in in terms of like buying them, but like, how do you value yourself? Like, how do you value your time? How do you value the things that you do? Like, you know, creators, for example, maybe. (laughs) Prices end up being about narrative more than anything. And I've written a lot about crypto recently, explaining a lot of the fluffier parts of all of this. Like, why do we do what we do? And I really wanted to take this newsletter in a different direction. And just like this newsletter, this YouTube, um, I always have a newsletter. If you're like a reader and you're like, I don't want to listen to this person drone on and on about stuff. Um, I have a newsletter. Go read it. Go subscribe. That'd be cool. It'd be a high five. Look, high five right now. High five, newsletter high five, newsletter high five. <laughs> I wanted to make one main, one main point. Like if you can just end the video here, please don't, but you can. This is all a story. It's all a narrative. It's all stuff that we're telling ourselves. Think about ecosystems. The Cambrian explosion happened about 4- 514 million years ago. It lasted for like 13 to 25 million years. And most animals started animaling during that time and life got more complex physically speaking. Organisms diversified on august 22nd 2001 sharon watkins sent a letter to Kenneth Lay, saying that she knew that they were doing shady stuff and then enron imploded on apple first 19 and on apple first on april first on april first 1976 steve jobs was in a garage 44 years later They have built a company that manages every other company, essentially, through the App Store, if they have an app. and also sits in the pocket of most people, so Apple is a very, 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 very powerful company. And what do all these things have in common, right? So we have the Cambrian Explosion, we have Enron, and then we have Apple. They were all pivotal, to an extent. And there are a lot of ecosystems that i don't address like these are probably like you're like these are three super random ecosystems and yeah sure they are <laughs> but i do think that they're three really important ecosystems so the cambrian explosion was a literal physical phenomenon right like it's a biological happening it's something that did indeed happen there's no narrative tied to it Enron was an ecosystem that grew toxic, so it was a company, it did have, you know, their operations and it had its people and this episode by Not Past It really dives deep into what happened with Enron in terms of groupthink, in terms of people being afraid of being exiled from the tribe, and that's what ultimately caused Enron to shatter to pieces, was the toxicity of their ecosystem. Enron is an ecosystem that seems a little bit parasitic at times. They have built out a world in which they own, like, any company that has an app. Like, Apple's like, 30% for me, thank you. And they also sit in the pockets of most of the consumers. Like, I'm literally talking. I'm looking at an Apple product here, and I'm talking into you through an Apple product. They own us. So the Cambridge Explosion, like I said, is sort of this root physical phenomenon. Like, something that happened, you can't really deny it. it, it that was a thing. With markets like Enron and Apple, there's still that root physical Enron's people and Apple's products that make it an ecosystem right. So like you had Enron's people and then you had Apple products or you have Apple products. However, they are a little bit more driven by narrative. Enron to the point of destruction and Apple to the point of prosperity. So Enron was driven, you know, to to zero by its people, it imploded. And then Apple has been driven really highly by its people by the story. You have an Apple product. You're pretty cool because of that. Narrative is extremely valuable. If you can get people to attach to your narrative, that's super good. And that's what Enron did. Like They were like, yeah, this is it. This is how we're going. And they had built an ecosystem similar to the Cambrian explosion. They had the tools, they had the infrastructure, they had everything. And then they imploded. Apple, on the other hand, had the tools had the infrastructure and then had a Cambrian explosion of their own where they executed on everything. If you can craft a narrative and get others to believe it, extremely powerful. If you can craft a narrative and then people start to doubt it, that can be a little worrying. That can lead to you going bankrupt and regulation following. Sirens are here! So Loot, which is a crypto project, is a great example of narrative being really powerful. According to a piece by Will who writes for Bankless, the project was a randomized adventure gear project consisting of 8,000 NFT loot bags. These games, which intentionally omitted images and stats for others to interpret, were free to mint directly from the project's smart contract and cost only the price of gas to do so. So not you, like basically free admission as long as you pay for your parking um, into the event. So you would get a list of like, so this example here, beetle wing, gold coin, diamond, pearl, diamond, dragon tail, half penny, pearl. And then you have to build all around that. And now they're trading for insane amounts in the secondary market. There were 8,000 NFT loot bags consisting of words. So people would build from their loot. Secondary market got crazy, like I said, but it's a way to design like one sold for 750K. And I'm sure there's more that sold beyond that but it's a way to design your own world which is really really cool right like we really like the, the choose your own adventure style especially in a world where everything is like mass manufactured for us to walk down the aisle knowing exactly what we're supposed to do in every step of our life you get the iphone you get the mac laptop, you get the mac laptop you get the job you um you know get married you have a house it, 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 this is sort of a deviation from how we would think about that path of a life, right? Like this isn't this is where you get to choose a little bit more. And I feel like a lot of times we feel like we have we have become increasingly detached from our ability to choose. Basically it's just this really cool ecosystem where it's the game. Like it's the capital G game. This is one where players get to figure out how it proceeds, and it's like cultural Legos. It's flipping the NFT world on its head where the co- collector, so you, would build the value from building the game, creating the avatar, etc. So collector to NFT versus creator to NFT, which is like neat, right? And uh, the whole rest of this piece is kind of in reverse, but that's okay. Also, the OG GameStop is also hiring in this direction. Um, flipping, and they're basically flipping their business model on their head, and they're you know, hiring a lot of blockchain researchers, a lot of developers, to execute on this game ecosystem because that's the way that things are moving to a certain extent. And now people get to you know tell their own stories, get to craft their own ecosystem. So what happened with Enron? You get to choose that life too. And that's really powerful. If you can decide on the path of a project that you're a part of, that creates so much more meaning in your life, that creates so much more power, it creates so much more happiness, and you get to vibe alongside everybody else and that's super fun so everyone gets to tell a story but what is the vessel for these stories to reach and as we think about you know we still heavily exist in this web 2 internet uh world versus this web 3 world that everybody's like talking about we still like we're still here (laughs) we are still here so what's going on in this here world outside of the loot world where you get to pick your own adventure it gets a little fuzzy as to who are like the storytellers right so we have traditional media on one side and then you have creators on the other side and traditional media is increasingly becoming something that nobody really wants to deal with so you have people from new york times going over to substack they're starting their own newsletters they're like okay forget about it i don't need the middleman i can go produce really really good pieces on my own and with traditional media it just doesn't feel very human at times and so i think creators really have a role here because they're the storytellers of the next generation creator communities have been hacking away at traditional media structures for a long time And I think the reason that it's been successful to a certain extent is because humans want to get their information in a humanistic way, because things are weird. Things are super weird right now. Like, um, New York is underwater essentially, and there's tornadoes ripping through New Jersey. Um, things are odd, and when things are weird, and you turn on the news and everybody's yelling at you, it's like, oh, you know, darn, I feel worse. And also, like, we have been so blooded to use the worst term I could have chosen, but we have been so flooded with media and advertising that we know when we're being sold to. I don't think creators are the perfect solution to this, and I have whole other thoughts on all that stuff, like the consumer spending model of our society, but um, people are craving a sense of normalcy, which boils down to tangibility and accessibility. And this ends up, this is like one of the consequences of our decentralized society. We don't, maybe interact with people as much as we used to so we want to like hear from people who we relate to hear from people that we trust and we end up being more responsive hypothetically to a creator narrative versus media narrative and this is what creators do really well is they they're human they're superhuman and they're they're superheroes they're not uh, the creators are tearing down traditional media because they create these inroads to ex- excess because they create these inroads to accessibility. I'm just talking about the industry though, and just things I've observed. The creator economy is obviously a constant work in progress. They're storytellers, yes, but they're also advertising funnels, and that's how brands see them, because storytelling is essentially advertising if executed properly. So creators have two arms, media and also like a weird hybrid marketing thing. So brands are becoming increasingly aware that influencers are the key to unlocking audiences. Um, There are companies like STIR that are creating tools for creators, but it, it, when At the end of the day, it's like, what, uh, okay, so am I still creating for my audience or am I creating for a brand? Like This tool is a little wacky. And the line tends to blur between brand and audience because you do have to get that bag. You do. But you also want to remain true to the people that subscribe to you because they're the people that you do it for at the end of the day, like at the end of the freaking day, like content, that's what it's all about. But also paying the bills. So it gets a little, it, like, gets a little weird. And they're, they're the reason that you're a creator in the first place. And so you really want to do good by them. Just subjectively speaking, I, I obviously same here, but just subjectively speaking and like talking to other creators, everybody really just wants their audience to to like the content, but there tends to be this this weird other dynamic that you have to manage, which is okay. So creators are becoming increasingly aware to their, of their own power, and there's going to be integrations, I think, of this collective creator ownership. I'm not sh- really sure what that looks like yet, but I do think that it'll be like some sort of DAO, which I talked a little bit about previously. So I think it's gonna be obviously like a Web3 model. The biggest thing that I kind of hit on was like the monetization model. Monetization is something that nobody's really been able to figure out because, you know, dollar sign money is super important and it's extremely important to get it right too because you don't want to undersell yourself you don't want to oversell yourself and there are startups like fypm that are like hey you know glass door for creators let's hear what everybody's being paid like creators are very very profitable because creators can capitalize on all this stuff that's going on in a very humanistic way convey it in a very humanistic way and brands and institutions just don't have like that that tangibility with the audience and so The creator equation ends up being distribution, marketing, creativity, brand management, and trust. Great on fundamentals, right? So brands get a lot out of this, right? They get distribution, they can tap into the creator's audience for a much lower price. Their ROI here is huge. And marketing, they can use creators as billboards. And this helps them convey their message in a really tangible and lower CPM in a more fun way. Creativity, so the creators are also creative. They get to, you know, do things in a fun way. I sound like a... Make it to do fun. They- okay. So brands get a fresh new perspective around their product and service, and that's pretty cool. Like, you can kind of get to see your brand reinvented through the eyes of someone else, which is awesome. Also, brand management, they can reinvent how people think about the brand. Like, if you're like, oh, you know, you work with Addison Ray or, um, you know, who's another one of them? Like, the a Hype House guy, um, people are going to think about your brand a little differently, I'd imagine. Big truck outside. But it also serves to put a gold stamp of approval next to that, to that brand's name, too. And also trust so the most important thing here is trust so retaining trust with your audience the number one social currency is trust and if brands can leverage that through creative partnerships that's a super high roi but along the way like things do get lost in the sauce because of this wild west it's like everybody's trying to figure it out it's okay everything's calibrating it's totally okay um there isn't a solid framework in yet for sort of this decentralized way of marketing I- or media and the ecosystem is fragmented so circling back to that main point like we're not at the cambrian explosion of creators we don't have that ecosystem in place we don't have all that ownership is a super mm, ownership is a very fuzzy thing um if you're a creator copyright all your stuff right now stop like if you're still listening cop- get off the phone stop watching me go copyright yourself Go copyright your stuff. It's so important. And croissant has a really good tweet about like what's going on. But ownership, I wrote I wrote about it last week, and I was like, ownership is the future. But all, what is ownership? Is the content, the platform, or you? I don't know. Does the mode of storytelling detract from the ultimate story? What's it? What does it mean? To- I knocked my phone down. What does it mean to own content? Like, What does it mean to, to truly own what you've been doing? Uh, it, there's a lot of questions left to answer and I'm not gonna answer all of them right now because I have to read a little bit more. Um, but we'll be working through this over the next few weeks and I'll be doing more market focused pieces too. But it, it's still about the story, right? So stripping it all away, we're seeking the story. We're trying to understand the main objective. And the ecosystem in which these stories are being told is growing, and it's flourishing, and it's like, it's such, it's such a cool time. Um, you're seeing NFT artists, you know, finally get paid for their work. You're seeing creators finally getting paid for, like, what they want to do. But uh, the ecosystem is still not Cambrian Explosion yet. There's not this, came- like, we have the apps, we have the tools, we have the infrastructure, but we're not you know we're not enron on the other side of the ecosystem and we're not apple on the other side of the ecosystem because we haven't even reached the cambrian explosion part of the ecosystem itself we haven't even become an ecosystem in terms of creators in terms of storytellers anybody can be a creator anybody can be a storyteller by the way i really want to make that clear you can do this. It's fun. I highly recommend it. The world has evolved before we did, right? So we're just trying to catch up to it. We're these little single-celled organisms just like, ooh, ooh, what's going on? I'm not sure how to operate in this world. And you're trying to tell stories. You're trying to do this. We're trying to figure out how we tell stories, how we own stuff. We're figuring it all out still. But right now, we're not at the Cambrian explosion of it yet. And also, okay, I like to throw these in here. If you think this is just like crypto, if I'm just talking, no, it's jobs too. Uh, ADP private payroll, payrolls had a huge miss. So 374K expected, or no, th- three, um, 638K expected, six, 374 mm, made. So big miss, big, big, big miss. Lots of things are detached from fundamentals. If there are any, and they trade in a way that just doesn't make sense, that's just a, what's going on. The thing is thingin'. I said this last week and I really liked it because I think it's really descriptive. <laughs> it's all story at the end of the day, Vitalik tweeted out, I think the loop project has it right. Pretty much anything that anyone creates exists and what matters is to the extent that other people build upon it. You make the thing, others build on the thing. The thing things, right? Like at the end of the day, we all know that the thing things, but it only really starts to matter when people decide how they want the thing to be in. Storytellers, ecosystems, new markets. It's all intertwined and we are very close to this Cambrian explosion in the space. I think we can all feel it. It's like rumbly. The market's in euphoria. We're getting close. Stock market too. I have a whole piece on that soon. But yeah. So we're not there yet. We're getting close. And this is kind of how the ecosystem is shaping out. We're starting to see the single-celled organisms being like, whoa, I can grow another arm. Look, another cell. Let's join. Mitosis. <laughs> Ah, it's been a while since I've taken biology. Other things that I'm thinking about, uh, China owning the data, zero-sum games, infinite economy, and this tweet from Dave that really drove me nuts because I couldn't stop thinking about it. I'd like to understand the financial system about as well as I understand the solar system. What are the stars and planets? What are their relative sizes? What are the basic laws that govern their interactions? I'm working on that, Dave. It's really cool. I like the way that you think about that. Yeah, anyway, thanks for hanging, thanks for chilling, thanks for chatting and i'll be back soon with another piece on something <laughs> no just kidding i'll be i'll be um i want to i'm gonna do a piece on stripe versus paypal and sort of the future of payment uh, so that'll be coming out soon and then also on the options market so lots of fun stuff coming there lots of fun stuff coming so if you haven't hit that subscribe button go ahead and and do that because we can high five yet again so high fives this long so thanks for hanging thanks for chilling and i will see you all soon